This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode, new episode of the Sense. Uh, Since our podcast, it's the first one. I think season two is starting up soon. I know we've been uh, away for a little bit, but we got the draft coming up on Tuesday. I got Andy from the Broadcast Boys podcast to talk some NHL draft. It's not the first time we've done it, and we got some exciting news as well about the draft day, right? I'm going to let Andy talk about that first before we get started, because he's the one who set everything up. Yeah, so... Here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we are uh, tentatively going to do a uh, a live watch along to the draft. So with our reactions in real time. We'll have a bunch of the hosts here from the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, and yeah, it should be it should be a good time. You know, as as we'll, you'll have our reactions, I'm sure it'll there'll be a lot of drinking if you've ever watched After Hours. Uh, yeah, you can know how that can devolve pretty quickly, but yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, we'll and we'll have uh, a mixture of just insight from the hosts and uh, on these prospects you know i'm sure shane and i will weigh in if because you know i'm not sure how closely some of our hosts follow prospects but we you know we can help temper their expectations or tell them if uh, their gms messed up big time so but should be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it yeah and i mean i think sense fans out there got a lot to look forward to since they're unveiling both new jerseys on the the sixth i'm assuming that they're going to reveal the home jerseys at third and then the the away jerseys at fifth but, you know, right before we got on live, there was a uh, Christian Lannon tweeted out or posted on his Instagram a picture of like a bag with the Sens logo, assuming that like, and saying that like, oh, you know, new threads coming out October 6th. So I assume that means like he either got both of them or one of them and how they're going to have some players kind of debuting them instead of the draft picks. Oh, that's cool. I mean, no matter what, it'll, I'm sure that the jerseys, you know, if they're the ones that have been kind of seen around town, like uh, they'll be better than whatever the, the Golden Knights revealed today. Because, oh, my God, I, I do not. I did not like those at all. So but th- those those 2D Sens jerseys look look gorgeous. I get erratic bonk vibes. Totally. Oh, man. It's beautiful. Oh, man. It's funny how many people actually like look at those jerseys and look at that style and they automatically think of erratic bonk. It's funny. Yeah, man. <laughs> the, the fucking mullet. Like, oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, I obviously I think Alfredson, but that's not a that's a that's the that's that's a low hanging fruit, you know, but it's just yeah. you know, that, those teams. But even like even Andrew like Alfredson, I've heard more people be like, "Oh, that jersey!" Like they think of Radic Bonk or Yashin before they think of Alfredson. Yeah, yeah, it was him or Yashin with the the turtleneck. Well, it's funny, you know, with the with Jacques Martin joining the Rangers as an assistant coach. You know, I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about those uh, sense teams and how, you know how good they were. So it's yeah, it's, it's just my mind was there. So then I saw that jersey and I was like. Yeah, I was like, oh man, that's so. It, yeah, it got me, got me hyped because made me think about those teams and how you know fucking awesome they were. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm stoked for that. Yeah, and I mean, you also have another reason to be stoked going from you know making getting the playing round to getting that lucky first oh. overall. Oh yeah, for, I <laughs> forgot. I must uh, you know uh, you know it, oh, yeah. it's exciting. It, it's uh, it's strange. You know, it's funny because with uh, Henrik Lundqvist getting bought out it truly does feel like the end of an era. And, you know, as it's cool, you know, the Rangers have a lot of, I'm ha- very happy with all the, the, the good stuff they have on the horizon, 
but it's kind of bittersweet because it almost feels like you know it they took if they they're doing now what they should have done five years ago and it's just you know it's 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 yeah it's bittersweet man it's like they have they're finally doing after trying to kick that can down the the road sometimes with just a you know no offense to the the forwards they had and the defensemen but it was just really long competent bums they didn't have anyone so yeah i mean you know i'm glad they, they're finally they said well, all right we're gonna we're gonna try it a different way and it's clearly working out so uh, you know i hope it's a yeah i mean i hope it can, it can it's been going great you know obviously uh landing the first overall pick helps that but even before that you know i was very happy with the trajectory but yeah just obviously bittersweet because the more i out henrik lundquist and what he meant to this organization it's uh yeah, it's just like I said, it's bittersweet. I'm gonna miss him. It's a shame that they couldn't get it done with him, or couldn't provide him with the help that they are going to have in you know two seasons from now. So, but Father Time catches up with all of us. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's funny that like even like what was it three years ago, four years ago now that they said that they were gonna go in through this real tool and whatnot, and then you know they get Zibanejad, they get they they somehow end up at number two with Kako, and now they go out sign Panarin later, and then now you have. Lafreniere, do you think that they kind of they got they've lucked themselves into this rebuild instead of having to go through the grind that some teams have to go yeah, through? I mean, well, it's weird because it's funny because a lot of it is luck because you have to be lucky, man. Because you know what I mean? Like it, it's a lot of it's luck because it's like you know, Otto, uh, excuse me, uh, Edmonton. You know, until how many times kicks at the Canada take them to get McDavid? You know, between uh, Nuge, Taylor, even Taylor Hall, who was a great. I mean, like, it's yeah. It's also like you have to be bad at an opportune moment or time, you know. But that's that's also kind of selling what Jeff Gordon has done short because he's done a lot of good things. Like, you know, so not all the the McDonough trade in hindsight. At you know, even some of his trades, he was, you know, some have been home runs. Obviously, you know, not to, to for a sore subject, but obviously flipping Broussard for Zibanejad was a great trade. Um, you know, the McDonough trade, you can argue at the end of the day, they really didn't get the value there because they have, you know, Libor Hayek, but they get one of those first that eventually becomes, you know, uh, I forget who they, which, which in that 2017 draft, I forget who they used it on. I don't think it was, it wasn't crap, but it could have been Kayon Miller, but yeah, you know, he, he, they, he did good to make sure he got anything. And especially with the spoon, you know, getting Spooner, Linda Grin and Spooner in the Nash trade and using one of the first to draft Nils Lungfist, And then, uh, you know, obviously Spooner wasn't working out, but then flipping him to Edmonton for Strom in a kind of change of scenery deal where Strom, you know, Spooner's now out of the league and Strom is coming off his one of his best seasons play, well, playing with, you know, a heart candidate in Panarin. But it's just good. At, he's, you know, he, he's been, they've been lucky, but at the same time, the asset management along the way has been good, you know. And I just think you really, if you're a GM, you have to do everything or else you end up like, you know, Buffalo waiting for, you have to draft. You have you have to do all the things well. So it's not enough to be lucky. Like you you have to get be luck, get lucky. Don't believe me, but at the same time, you also have to you know you have to do your job as a GM. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those like you know you look at it on paper in terms of like the assets that he's been able to to get, and you look at it and be like oh you know New York got lucky, but then you have to look at it. As you know, there's been so much other things leading up to it that have worked out in their favor that have gone right for him to put them in this situation. Yeah. And like play, they have Adam Fox now who's a young player, but if they don't acquire an extra second 
you know, who knows, maybe they don't have the assets or feel comfortable doing that, but you know, they just kept accruing young assets and flipping their older players and they use them smartly. And they've, you could argue they've, you know, their drafting since sending out the letter has been pretty good. You know, Leah Anderson obviously wasn't good, but they got Heedle at 21, which ends, ends up being excellent value. Uh, you know, Kraftsoft had up and down last year, but he's, he's lighting up the KHL right now. And, you know, obviously Nils Lundqvist had the best uh, SHL season as a defenseman, as a teenager ever, you know, last season. So he's, you know, and, and also Keandre Miller. So it's just, and obviously you get lucky with Kako, they move up and then finally they get Lafreniere now, which is obviously that's luck. That's pure luck, obviously. But at the same time, you know, they didn't, you know, to uh, Kako, they, there was, you know, were they going to, uh, the question was, would they tank down the stretch to help their ones clear they weren't making? And they, they said that how they prefer to do it. We all remember Buffalo doing that for McDavid in that famous game where they played the the Coyotes and their own fans were booing them. And that, that that you know, pardon my French, but that shit's in the walls, man. And Buffalo can't get over the hump. And and look at Arizona. Now they're going to, they're rebuilt. So it's funny how sometimes like, you know, Jeff Gordon is all kind of says like, oh, we're going to do it the right way. And we believe if we take care of the game and we treat it right. They'll take care of us. And it has. So, I mean, I'm not superstitious, but at the same time, it's like you're, it, you're not guaranteed much of anything with the clearly with the Rangers winning the first overall pick being being shitty doesn't guarantee you much. So you just you obviously you don't try to do don't make stupid moves but at the same time. Don't don't bank on just the, if we're if we're bad and we race to the bottom, we're going to get rewarded for it because, you know, Detroit is not unfortunately is not going to get one of the top three players in the draft. So, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, you have. You have teams like Buffalo and Edmonton who have muttered in mediocrity through this entire bad stretch that they've had, and then you have teams like Toronto who somehow get these players in like the in the top ten and they've been able to turn it around quickly, and then they're kind of in that middle of the pack. But then you have teams like you know Tampa that literally just won the cup, and I think the only two top five players they have that they drafted and like is is Hedmond and Stamkos in 0809. You know, Kucherov was a second-round pick. Point was a third-round pick. Uh, I think Vasilevsky was like a, a middle first pick. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, what I think um, uh, Bogosian was five, right? But, you know, obviously he's not. He doesn't, his, his career isn't, you know, his numbers are just not representative of a fifth-round, you know, a fifth overall pick. Or And I think, is Braden Coburn a high pick, too? Is he a top-ten guy? Does I think he stuff, was. Yeah, your stance of that in terms of impact. Yeah, he's like seven or something, but you know. That, yeah, that but they, they were castaways. What do the yeah. air? But they, yeah, exactly, and you know, it, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at you know Boston when they won the cup a few years ago, and you know they've also been in the mix. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, what Pasternak was, he was late first. I mean, Marshan wasn't a first rounder, right? Uh, no, I don't I think Bergeron was. No, I think Bergeron and obviously. Yeah, Mac, you know, Mac was say, say was obviously, but as a rookie, but, um, but yeah, that was really it. So it just kind of goes to show that it's not, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really guarantee, or even if you look at St. Louis last year, I mean, you know, none of those guys are upper echelon draft guys. It's just, they drafted well and they've accrued talent and, you know, so and I think that's it is that it's so much of it is luck, but just trying to, to draft wisely, especially if you look at the way Tampa's drafted in the, you know, they've been kicking the can for a while now, but and everyone kind of said, like, you know, at what point are they going to stop? But they've been so good at drafting late and so good at moving the guys out they had to, 
before they became an issue. Uh, you know, so and that's what they did. You know, you kind of got those guys that sometimes teams get become overly in love with their players, even though you know, and Tampa's like, you know what, Vladislav Nemesikov isn't so amazing. So we, we kind of we maybe we kind of overdrafted him. So we're gonna send him away. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. But it, so that's just as long you have to you have to obviously be lucky. But at the same time, you really have to make your your draft picks count because I mean, I look at the Devils and outside of Heisher and Hughes, they've been so bad with their first round picks. So I mean, you know, I said that to Neil the other day, and he he <laughs> reluctantly was like, eh. but um. You know, it's like you, yeah, you have to make them, you, you only get so many bullets. You have to make them count, man. So as I'm hoping that the Rangers, at least, you know, Lafreniere, I think, uh, you know, knock on wood, although I, I wouldn't necessarily be upset with Stutzler Byfield, but, um, you know, Lafreniere projects to be an impact player. And, you know, I think Kako has looked pretty good in the return. So after having a rough rookie season, I think he'll be all right. So, yeah. And it, between Panarin and Zvanage out, it looks like they're loading up and they just cleared a bunch of cap space. I don't know what that means, but we'll see. Okay. So, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, oh, I'd be happy with Lafreniere, but I'd also be happy with Stutzler Byfield. We all saw the reports that, you know, New York kind of inquired about uh, Eichel from the Sabres. And I think you'd be stupid not to inquire about that kind of talent, right? No oh, matter yeah. where you're at. So maybe people are looking too deep into it. But what are the chances that, you know, they they draft Byfield or Stetzel as a center if they don't feel confident in Strong being that, like, 2C guy? Um, you know, I don't think they'd... I don't think Stutzla would factor into that. Byfield might, but at the same time, you know, it's one of the things that promotionally they've just been, the way they've been talking about it, they've just been talking about like, you know, we talked a lot from his family. They haven't said anything about Byfield. You know, they, they've, they've kind of, they kind of did the, the coy, like, well, we're not saying, but wink, wink, hint, hint. So I do think they end up taking Lafreniere, but at the same time, you know, I, uh, you know, we're talking to, you know, obviously McKenzie wouldn't have said that, like, he doesn't say, you know, because he sends out that tweet about Eichel and meeting with Sabres management and basically saying, look, like, we're on the same page, right? We need to go, we need to develop some forward traction. And so, I mean, but then he also goes to say that, you know, both sides then kind of like backpedaled if it got out because he had heard that and saying, like, no, they're committed to each other. But, you know, I mean, we can all, fans and can read between the lines. And what they're basically, Eichel is saying, Camp is saying, this is the year. If I don't see any forward momentum or traction this year, if we miss the playoffs in heartbreaking fashion yet again, then I, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm out. So, and if that's the case, the New York Rangers, who have a plethora of young talent and probably one of the only teams that could maybe put together an uh, absorbent, you know, exorbitant package for Eichel without truly, really, you know, gutting, gutting all they've, the work they've done, would be one of those teams. So. As far as that, you know, I, you do wonder if you if you you talk to them if if it got any preliminary talks because you know if I'm Buffalo, I obviously don't want to think about losing Eichel right now. I want to, you know, that's what the Eric Stahl trade was. It was I have to we have to get Jack some help, you know, especially down the middle. So, um, as far as the Rangers and who they draft, I do think it's Lafreniere. I think uh, I think there there are two teams that may have Byfield listed as their first overall. I don't think any teams have Stutzla as their first overall, but I do know, I think it's been spec or not even speculated. I think it's been reported that two teams have them, but I don't think the Rangers are one of them. I think ultimately they 
like most people, I think they feel Lafreniere is the better player right now, and they're they're not going to look to give a gift horse in the mouth. I think I think they're just going to you know because you can't be the person that just says we're going to try to face and and Byfield. It's like ah, oh, he just doesn't put it all together, and and Lafreniere becomes a superstar like he's supposed to. You, you you're kicking yourself. So, but if you know if you take Lafreniere, who's the consensus first overall, and Byfield does become better, well, oh well, just that's how it worked out. But you know, it's, it is fun to think about, obviously, because I, I am a big Quinton Byfield fan. I do think he, I think he will become a very good player. Uh, will he become better than Lafreniere? It's possible. His he's definitely his ceiling's higher, but I don't I don't know if he necessarily reaches it just because, you know, the one thing about Lafreniere is that you watch the way he plays the game and his I think his hockey sense is you know maybe not miles higher because I think Byfield is very, has very good hockey sense and vision, but I do think that Lafreniere has that you know, uh, split second problem solving, which you need to be like an elite player in the national hockey league. Do you think that this is coming in like a Crosby Ovechkin kind of situation where we're comparing like a winger play style to a center play style and you can't fairly like compare the two. Yeah. yeah, You know, well, the weird thing is after watching Panarin, like this year drive play from the wing it and with Ryan Strom, and how just he would Panarin would like, you know, because traditionally your center swings low to support your D on the breakout. Then his wingers, your wingers, you know, will whatever three high or, or, you know, they'll make their cuts towards the line. But, you know, the Panarin just did that as a winger. He would just swing low. He would go take from the boards and that's how he preferred to operate. And he would be the one driving transition for his line and just doing everything. So, you know, and, and as we're in an age where we're getting cl- closer and closer to positionless hockey, you'll even see a lot of center. Sometimes there are like centers in the NHL, like they're you know they'll take a wingers will take face offs if they're good at it, and then sw- or if they've played center before, and then they'll just switch off. So I just I think as we get into positionless hockey, I think it matters less and less. And I think it's more about the quality of your teammates than it is. And I think if the the top six ad shakes out for the Rangers right now between Panarin's advantage ad. Lafreniere and, and Kako, you know, I become less, I become less concerned about, uh, you know, wingers to centers, you know, um, I do think eventually Chris Kreider is a guy that I don't, he's obviously a ranger for the time being, but who knows, maybe in a season or two, they do look to move him if he eventually gets usurped and they don't feel comfortable if he doesn't perform well getting moved over to the other side. Uh, but yeah, I, it's one of those things you're you are right it's hard to evaluate but at the same time i just think a lot of it is the way it's been posed is that oh the rangers might take byfield because they need a center i don't think so i think when it comes to maybe you know that i think that's kind of talk once you get into you know maybe after the first five picks but i think in the first overall pick i think you just have to go with the guy who is just elevates himself on an international stage and is clearly has just every you know lafreniere has ever has ever had every chance to lose this uh hit the the spotlight and he just not only he's not lost it he's just elevated his game so i just don't know how you you pass that up yeah i mean that's fair i think lafreniere should be should go number one i mean it would seem like a 2020 thing for him to drop but where do you think what do you think new york does with 22 with you know they're sitting in at 22 with carolina's pick what do you think they do i don't think you know there's a part of me i know for a fact that there's been enough rumblings that they've been looking to move it for immediate help. Uh, obviously they get rid of Mark Stahl, which, uh, you know, it was obviously he was a warrior for the Rangers. Thank you for your service. But at the same time, you know, he's a sub replacement level player. 
obviously makes sense for Detroit because they a want to be bad again because they need still need more elite talent in droves and b yeah he kind of he's a vet guy he can be good at maybe not insulating with his play but just have a be a veteran presence but um yeah they need you know they're good on the right side but the rangers need help on the left uh they also obviously need help in the middle so i think if they had their druthers it gets packaged or you know moved for help in any of those two areas um you know it's funny i look around the league like what teams would are you know with, with montreal there's been a lot of talk about philip might not be a Canadian much longer if they look to move him. And I think he's a guy the Rangers might be interested in. Uh, I think about Calgary. I do wonder after so much to the can, I think, you know, we've heard so many rumbling Goudreau. I don't know if that extends to their other players, Monaghan or Lindholm or, you know, even a guy like Noah Hannafin, but I assume they're looking to trade, you know, mix things up. So yeah, I do wonder if a guy like 22 and, Alexander Georgiev, although there's a, a litany of goaltenders on the market, you know, he might be one of the more desirable ones because of his age. You know, the fact that he is looking like a, like he could be a starter somewhere else. And, uh, you know, he's not a flurry or a Lundquist or these guys that are old, you know, or older or, um, and maybe Tony D'Angelo. I think, uh, he's going to command a lot of money. Maybe the Rangers don't want to pay him and they want to free up some space on the right side. So yeah, I, I do think the 22nd overall, I think it most like they're I think they're looking to package it, but at the same time, yeah, it takes two to tango and who knows, maybe it's something that they don't get something done in time. So they don't if they don't pay if they do if they don't trade them, who do you want at twenty two? Who do I want and who do I think they get are two totally different things. Um you know, there's obviously so many scenarios where it's like, Oh my god, this guy, you know, Seth Jarvis miraculously dropped to twenty two. Um you know, it's tough because, I, like you said, I think there, you're going to see a lot of drops. You know, there's so much talk about Sanderson all of a sudden is a t- top 10 pick. Askarov might be a top, uh, top 10 pick for, you know, a team with two firsts. Uh, who knows? Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, realistically, you know, when you think about the guys who might be available, I do think the Rangers, um, I don't know, you know, as I don't think... I don't think they t- take a defenseman there because I th- you assume that Schneider and Gooley will be gone already. Sanderson and and uh, Jamie Drysdale will be will obviously be gone. Um, you know, you, maybe it, it would have been a kid like Justin Barron, but after the blood clot thing and all the news has come out, I don't think so. And I don't think Ryan O'Rourke is a, is is that guy for them either. I do think they go for a center. You know, it's it's funny because like you know, I like I like Maverick Bork, but I don't think he's a Rangers type player you know um i'm a big fan of marat uh, kusinadinov i would love if they take him at 22 i don't know if it happens i'll be if they get lafreniere and, and marat i'd be jumping for joy but you know uh, it's funny there's a lot of rumors that the rangers really like ridley greg uh, and i could honestly see that because when you think about it he's well um he seemed you know he's physical he's yeah he's definitely a new york rangers type player uh you know his father is a scout for the flyers and i think he said last week he's like i don't want the flyers to take me because you know i don't know because yeah you want to avoid the nepotism you know what i mean but um but like yeah i mean he's a guy he's a kid who has he got better as his week king season went on and he is even though he plays a physical game he's he's a bit smaller I mean, not in stature wise, but just in terms of he's he's lighter and slight of frame. But he's one of the youngest kids in the draft. He's a he's a early uh, you know he's I'm sorry, excuse me, he's a late birthday. 
So yeah, I mean, I and yeah, he's his team wasn't all that good, but he got better as the season went on, and he's got underrated skill, and he's an excellent skater. And I think at this point, when you look at the top six of the Rangers, it's pretty much you know if 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 all goes to plan, you have Panera and Lafreniere, Zabanajad, Kako. If Butch never stays, is him. You know if uh, if Kreider moves over that side, it's him. So I think I think at this point with twenty two, I don't think they're trying to say like you know let's take Hendricks Lapierre and like. You know, uh, you know, con- concussions be damned, and we'll, we'll roll that dice. I think they'll just say, you know what, this kid projects strongly to play in the show. You know, I don't know if it's he's got top line upside, but you know, we know for a fact he's a good skater. He's he's good, you know, off the puck, and so I could very much see a Ridley Gregg. Um, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe I don't know if Ty Smolanich from. The U.S. National Development Program is a kid they like. I don't know if they like Colangelo or Brisson. I assume not. Uh, yeah, because again, those don't strike me as the current matching what they're trying to do. They just the Rangers recently and the Rangers tend to favor more in-your-face players who can you know make plays and you know can, can skate well. So yeah, I don't know. You know, but at the same time, I would love a Maverick board because if he pops, he's you know a top six talent and he's amazing. But yeah, you know, they have skating concerns and things of that nature. You know, I don't know if they take a Noel Goomler, who I, I like. You know, he plays for Lulia, where Nils Lundqvist, one of their prospects, plays for. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. But honestly, if, if I do think they use it on a center if they can't trade it. And I do think it's a little bit maybe a guy that is a little bit more conservative. But, you know, they think fits their mold like a Ridley Gregg or, uh, you know, or if a Dylan Holloway is there, I'm sure they, they would like a kid like that. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Askarov and kind of threw a little dig at the Senators. Um, it wasn't a dig. I'm a huge Askarov fan. It's just, you know, but it, go ahead. Go, you tell me. What you're like, I, I don't think Askarov at five or even Sanderson at five makes any sense for this team. We have a plethora. Yeah, I don't think a defenseman at, at uh, five. Well, I don't know. Drysdale at five. Drysdale's the only guy at five. I would, if I'm an odd, if I'm a Senators fan, I'd be like, okay, maybe I can see it. You know, because between Bernard Docker and Shabbat, like in in, in Brandstrom, it's like you're, you have somewhere. You know, it's the those guys. You can't pay everyone. You know what I mean? So, you know, and especially it's like if Lucas Raymond is still sitting there for whatever reason, or Rossi or, or, you know, hell, even if Perfetti's still sitting there, like, you know, uh, or, you know, any of these guys, like, because, you know, it, it's there, obviously there's going to be some, my sense is that unfortunately, like, I know how much you love Marco Rossi and my sense is that he's going to drop, you know, not a lot, but I think he does drop because, you know, just off things I've heard and, and, and have like, tried to glean from some beat reporters which is crazy to me because he's so you know he's so talented and he's so driven and he's got a pro mentality and i think he's a kid just based on that alone he'll find a way to succeed even if some of the other the physical aspects of or the raw tools of some of the other players in the top 10 might be a little bit more alluring but um yeah i mean i don't know as for askarov though i mean you know, I don't know. He's currently playing against men in the KHL. He pitched a shutout in his first game, so it's hard. It's not exact science goaltending, but he's checking. He checks all the right boxes. I know you. Know, I know it's not what you want to hear, but who knows? I mean, maybe you just say, you know what? Fuck it. We have so many, we have three kicks at the can. We'll take we'll take a kid who's guaranteed to be an impact player. We'll take the goalie, and then maybe with the late pick, we take a swing on a, a Jacob Perot or a Hendricks Lapierre if they're still there. Just say, you know, fuck it. We're swinging for the fences because if they pop, then we get like. 
we get our we get our money's worth, you know. Yeah, I just I don't think it sounds like the the, the organization has a lot of faith in guys like Sogard and Gustafson and Mandalozzi, and Mandalozzi yeah. has kind of shown that he he's a dark horse, I think, and a lot of Senators fans forget about him. It's like Crookshank in I think New Hampshire. He's kind of having yeah. a solid college career and people kind of overlook him. But I don't know. I feel like Askarov at five, you've drafted two other goalies like the last two years. You signed him. You signed Mandalozzi. You, Sogard doesn't need to be signed right away, so there's no reason to sign him. Uh, and it's just like, I think Askarov would be, wouldn't it, like, it's not like we need a goalie. I don't think we need, we need to worry about having like an A1 goalie now. We can't wait four years to see if they turn into something. I think we need yeah. we need right wing help, and I think that's where Stetzel is going to slot in if he's available yeah. at, at three, and then we're going to go either Raymond or Rossi at five. I mean, if you draft one of Stetzel or Byfield, and then whoever is not, and then either you know if you get to five and Lucas Raymond is sitting there, for me personally, it's you know or Rossi. You know, I like I like both of them. Obviously, I think. Uh, Raymond's skating ability maybe makes him a nice projection, but at the same time, you know, I, I love Marco Rossi. I, I think anyone who bets against him based on some of those things are stupid, but um, yeah, I mean, either honestly, any any combination of those four guys, Byfield, Stutzla, Rossi, and Raymond, you know, I'm over the moon. That's an excellent draft. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, whether or not they all pan out, who knows, you know, but uh, I mean, that's a fantastic draft anyway. You, uh, you look at it, and then you factor in with just all the young talent Ottawa already has. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think of a, you know, just a, any of those guys with, with Kachuk, I think would be, a, a four, you know, is you'd be very happy with. So, you know, especially if they pan out. So, yeah, and, and as for Dryel, like, I think the biggest thing is that because of, this year is light on centers and next year is so it's going to be the center. Yeah, I'm sorry, excuse me, defenseman and next year is going to be defenseman heavy draft. I think a lot of, you know, especially with the late love Sanderson has been getting, I think him and dry Drysdale are, are fantastic talents. Don't get me wrong. But if you really look at it, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't think they are really the guys. Usually they're not, you know, cause you look at where a, a Kale McCarr gets selected or, a uh, Miro Haskin and these, I don't think they're those guys, you know what I mean? But not to say they're not very good or they won't be good, you know, because who knows? Maybe Jake Sanderson does become Ryan McDonough. Maybe uh, Drysdale does become like a Hampus Lindholm Haskin and type, but I just don't, I, I just don't see it. I don't think they're the, I just don't think their raw defending is as good as those guys were at that age. But so, yeah. And I mean, I look at how good Ottawa's uh, defense, you know, pipeline is. So it's like, I think you just go, you go the, just those high octane forwards and you just, you, you're happy with your draft no matter what happens after that, because you've already, you know, you've already did what you've came there to do, you know? Oh, hundred percent. And I think between the, uh, the three and five and 28, which I think I will look to move because, you know, I think we can move 28 and possibly, one of our one or two of our second round picks for some sort of you know top end talent, especially on the right side. I'm a, I think this draft is going to have going to play a lot into the Senators' future, and it's going to play into a lot in the 2021 season. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I you know, you really have to give uh, 
Pierre Dorian credit just because, you know, Ottawa, you know, I look at some of the, some of the picks they've made in the last few years. And I, I'm, I'm high on a lot of those guys, man. I, I think Bernard, Do- people are really, not that they underrate him, but I think Bernard Docker is going to be a lot better than people think. I think they just think he'll ride shotgun with, uh, you know, with either a Brandstrom or a Shabbat, but you know, he's really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, the future's bright, you know, I mean, everyone in the, everyone in the league wants a player like Kachuk just between just who can, who is skilled, but it can also just just change that dynamic of the game. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's just uh, any of those guys that we had mentioned up top, like, I think factors in wonderfully into the Sens, you know, top six eventually. And, yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's the thing about this draft. I do think everyone says, like, this is a deep draft. And, uh, you know, I think people kind of misunderstand what deep means. I think when people say it's deep, it's, I think it's deep in the sense that a lot the upside of these guys is a lot higher than usual. Cause usually it's like you get to 20, it's like, all right. And it's like, you know, maybe some guys have a lot of red flags, but you're going to have a lot of guys in the tail end of the first round and into the second round that have like, basically it's like they could become a, a very good, NHL contributor, but they only have like one glaring flaw. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh, whatever. It's like Brandon Brisson doesn't skate with enough pace, or like, you know, uh, Jeremy Poirier is like Patrick Kane, like on defense, but he also plays defense like Patrick Kane. So it's like, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of boom bust guys in this draft. So it's going to be real fascinating to see how it shakes out. And I, and also another, uh, which has been in my mind is that between the pandemic with a static cap, the next few years, and some of these teams, we, we know Arizona has been commanded to shed salary. I wonder if we, that does lead to more movement on draft day. If that leads to more and come free agent frenzy, the following Friday, who knows as part of that, maybe who knows maybe we have a lot more movement and trades and just because it's like packaging guys. Cause teams are going to look to say if maybe they wouldn't be rebuilding, but they're like between the pandemic and the uncertainty, like we are cores. It's we've been just trying the same thing forever. Let's try to uh, do something different. So who knows? Maybe, maybe we do see a lot of draft come uh, movement come uh, draft time. Yeah. And I mean, I think we saw, we saw, I think what earlier today uh, there was talk of like the, the coyotes looking at maybe possibly moving Keller and seeing what, like, kicking tires on what teams are looking for in a trade with Keller. And that kind of came as a shock. Yeah, I don't know what Arizona's doing, man. Like, I mean, I guess I do. You know, they're they're real, they're real. in a lot of trouble um, between getting docked their first-round pick this year and, and next year. You know, they don't have yeah, they don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't have it next year. You know, the arena situation has always been up in the air. Uh the Cheka breakup was ugly. I do wonder if it has something to do with that. Uh, you know, I have heard that, well, we know OEL is probably most likely getting moved. I would do wonder if Derek Stepan gets moved. I, you know, hearing, and that's the thing about hearing Keller, like, isn't he the guy you're, they were supposed to be building around? But you look at how they've drafted with these picks. And like, I like a lot of their young players. Like I like Dvorak. I like Keller, but you know, the, the Dvoraks and the Kellers of the world are not, it's they're not the Matthews and the you know they're not like I like these guys but they're not they're not like impact 
you know, you can argue, you know, I, I'd say Keller has been a little bit unfortunate that he's never been put in the best situation, but Chick Rin, like, yeah, these are, these are good young players, but they're not like, you know, they've, been, they have, they've been, they haven't been in the playoffs. Like how many times have they made the playoffs? Like this year in the last, what, and what do they have to show for it? Like, where is the elite talent? Like you have X-Men Larson and his game has been dropping off for a while. And where, like, where? I, I haven't been following closely, so I, I, someone else could probably tell me. But why, if you haven't been in the playoff picture for so long, why do you not have any elite talent? Like, what what is going on? You know, like so. I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it's, yeah. I, like Arizona has a lot of tier two talent. You know, yeah. needed talent to win. You know, cups and whatnot, and be a, a play like a playoff team. But they don't have those game breaking guys who can take over a game where you have to look at and be like. We're, like, when you only have to game plan really against Keller, when your when your offense runs through Keller and you don't have anyone else to kind of take the load off as as a team, it's easy to to game plan right around. Yeah, and that's why I think like, I think if Keller were to go to a team like I, I mean we we saw it with uh, with Strom when he went to Chicago, he kind of yeah he was playing with DeBrinket and and Pat Kane, Kane. but he also started to show what he can do. When he has elite players around him, yeah, you have to insult. I think that's the biggest thing is that I don't think at any point have any of these guys been insulated by older talent. Like you know, I think Keller and Domi at the same time were kind of thrown to the wolves, and they put I forget who their who their center was, you know. But I don't know if I can't remember who it was. It probably wasn't anyone of note. I'm um, pretty sure it was Duclair Domi, and like I know Duclair and Domi played together with the Coyotes during their rookie years. And yeah, like. like and, and I know you have young talent that's fun, but at the same time, it's like someone's got to show them the ropes and like where to be and where to do like, you know, not to, um, not to sound, I'm not usually an old school guy like that, but I do think like with young players coming in, you want to, you kind of have to insulate them a little bit. You can't just throw them the wolves and say like, you're a savior, get out there, figure, you'll figure it out. Like that doesn't happen. And then they, they just, you know, they, cause they're, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're we're kind of skewed by the McDavid's, the Eichels, and the Matthews of the world who come in and tear it up. Because for every one of them, there's a Jack Hughes and a Capo Caco, and I guess you could argue, you know, some of these guys that come in and they're expected to like figure it out in the toughest hockey league on the planet. And and if they don't do it immediately, they kind of just try to figure out how they can tread water for their first few seasons. It kind of you know, and it kind of messes with them. But that's why I'm so happy with at least Lafreniere is coming in knowing that he doesn't have to be in the top six. Like he can almost fight his way to the top six. I'd almost rather him do that because it's like, you know, I obviously want, want sorry, what are you going to say, Shane? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I feel like if, if Lafreniere, no, no. Lafreniere should be a top six player, like I would feel a no, little exactly. bit insecure, like a little bit worried. You know, I remember the, the chatter that Kako, like the, that, you know, New York fans were having when Kako was on the third line, you know, I feel like if Lafreniere is starting the season on the third line, I know Kreider and Panarin are the two guys ahead of him, but I feel like if Kreider is ahead of Lafreniere, I think there's some fans that look at that being like, "There's an issue here. Why isn't he on the? Why isn't he a top six player?" I mean, he is. A, I think he is a top six player, but at the same time, I think it's one of those things where you let him just naturally show that he because if you put him on the third if you give him third line matchups i think if he you know and as long as you give listen everything's relative to ice time no matter what your lineup so as long as they give him enough ice time to to put something together i think he can easily show but i think the it at almost i think it's something where it's like because he doesn't have to admit he doesn't have to carry the mail himself 
You know what I mean? It's either you put him with Panarin, and, and Lafreniere likes to have the puck, but you know if Panarin's on your line, he, he almost won the Hart Trophy, so he's going to be carrying the puck most of the time. So I don't know if you necessarily... You know, it's funny. It's, it's like as good as that... The, and they're both uh, left wingers, or at least they both usually operate as a left winger. So I'm, I don't want to switch him over to the right side, considering the con- success he's had on the left wing. So I keep him there. Um, so yeah, then that would mean you'd have to put him with Zibanejad, which is the first line, you know. And then you'd have Panera. If if, if Strom stays, then you'd have to have Lafreniere, Zibanejad, either Buchnevich or Kako or Kreider. If he moved to, if you move him over, and then obviously your second line is Panarin, Strom, and Kako, or one of those guys. But um, yeah, I think the point is that you can, we can. I think because of how David Quinn also likes to operate, I wouldn't be surprised if they just start him on the third line, and then just if when it becomes because when it became apparent that Kako at least needed more ice time, they did move him up and down a bit. So who knows? Maybe I think Lafreniere should be way better equipped for the National Hockey League than Kako, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think that overall the point is that like he doesn't have to be there. I would like him there. I would like him right out of the gate to get top six minutes. But at the same time, I think there is something to be said about the fact that it's like it's there if you want it. But like you know, just show us and then we'll we'll put you there. All right. So before to, to switch off from from draft talk and go into our second yeah. segment because we do want to talk about free agency because we both lost. Yeah. Some big names. I uh, got a good question here from uh, Nick Floor. Uh, he is now one of the co-hosts for the uh, San Jose Sharks for the network. Just a little off-topic question about how Balsers is treating uh, treating the Senators, and I think it was a good segue as you know the Carlson trade two years, you know almost almost two years to the day, over just over two years from the day uh, that the Carlson trade happened. We uh, we're seeing the the good return from that Carlson trade for Ottawa, and you know I think the I think the uh, Doug Wilson for for taking Carlson off our hands and gifting us uh, hopefully a top six center, uh, a top nine forward, and uh, fifth and third overall. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned, uh, stay put. Thank you guys for joining. Remember to follow us on uh, Twitter and and YouTube. Uh, and on Instagram, sends underscore or sends our podcast. We'll be going live every week. Um, so yeah, we'll be we'll be right back. Do you want a true champions perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it. Right. I was up. Anthony Anthony Nunschfander. It's it's any UEN. It's Neuenschfander. Anthony Neuenschfander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know, I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh no, Jay don't yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me and I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us. While she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No. <laughs> We were in terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network.
And we're back. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. I my internet flippantly dropped out, and I'm like, "What happened?" And then my dog apparently knocked it to my modem and jogged on the cable. So I get it back together. But I'm back. Sorry about that. It's fine. Um, yeah, I know that. Was you were fine. talking about you were talking about uh, bolsters, but when I when I had left it before everything cut out. Yeah, uh, Balser's uh, Nick Nick Floor, the guy from uh, or San Jose from uh, the Hung, uh, Stick Hungry podcast, I believe is what they're still called. I'm really bad with names, um, but yeah, Nick Floor. Here's the question again for everyone who has for uh, is how Balser's is treating us because I know he's a huge Balser's fan. Uh, I and you know it's a great way to start the the, the conversation. Is that are we going to see more of these kind of deals over the next couple of days? Mm. Yeah, I mean, man, I think you're going to see a lot of people on the move that you wouldn't expect to under normal circumstances. Because like I had mentioned, uh, a lot of teams have to shed salary because of uh, mandate from their ownership with pandemic related with pandemic related uh, losses. Um, you know, Arizona is clearly is one team that has to do that. And also just because of the static cap, you know, it's like you have to keep money. You have to have flexibility for guys. If they hit their performance bonuses, you know, if you have young rookies coming in, you know, a team like the Rangers is obviously very cognizant of that. You have a lot of guys in ELCs and you're like, Oh, they're fine. You know, like we have that cap space, but if they hit their schedule a and B bonuses, then all of a sudden you need more money, you know, it jumps up. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be real fascinating. You know, I mean, you have so many goalies available. I mean, if you, you know, speculatively, you have Flurry, Holtby, Lundqvist. I don't, you know, I don't know what the deal is with Anderson in in uh, Toronto. I, I forget if he's got another year left on his contract, but you know, who knows? I just between all these guys, it's just like, yeah, I do wonder if during free agency. If we see, because usually everyone's like, free agency is going to be nuts this year. And it always starts out with all these marginal guys. You have AHL guys, tweeners, and then it's like, you know, a smaller, it's like a Bogosian or, a, you know, your third, your third, seventh and third pairing defense, and then some bottom six guys. But I wouldn't be surprised if because of everything that's been going on with, with the pandemic, you're going to see a lot more, you know, third line guys flying around just because it's like even guys who are talented because they're like, but at the same time, you're like, we really need, we don't have a lot of money and we have to, we need it to sign our big fish. So we're going to have to cut some guys who usually we would just qualify and just try to give a, a bridge or whatever that their team can be like, you know, this is going to be the cost to keep this guy. And I'd rather keep this guy. So, you know, you're, you're promising, you know, maybe 20 or 25 year old third liner who maybe is good, but isn't what you thought he was going to be initially. You're like, uh, we're going to have to let him go. or We're just not going to qualify him. I mean, Ottawa gives up, not Ottawa, excuse me. Um, oh, yeah. So Detroit trades Athanasiu to Edmonton for what, two seconds? And now we find out today that they're, or yesterday, that they're not going to even qualify him. Like, man, it's, but I think, honestly, I do think they would have qualified a guy like that under normal circumstances. I, you know, I know he had a bad season, but he also, you know, he scored 20 goals in, in, 
or almost 30 goals, right, in, in Detroit that season. And that team wasn't much better. He just maybe had a down year. So I think under normal circumstances, you gave that much for him. You'd, you'd, you'd probably just say, let's see, maybe it's an aberration. But I think now they're just like, we can't. Like, we can't afford to qualify this guy. Like, we're not spending this money right now. So I do wonder if we see that play out in free agency. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you look at a guy like AA, uh, another guy that kind of comes to mind for a, a trade that you look at and you're like, why is um, Tatar from Vegas to or from Detroit to Vegas, where they gave up a first, a second, a third a couple of years ago, and then just packaged him with like Suzuki and Co for Pacioretty. Um But I think this free agency, Ottawa has some needs. There's some players on the block on top of some players that are going to be able to sign, I think we can easily, if if we can, we'll make a splash. I don't think we're going to make a, a signing just to make a signing. No. But, you know, obviously AP and Taylor Hall are the two big fish on the market. And those guys may, don't know what they're going to do at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine Taylor Hall, he's looking for the, the his cup is he's not getting any younger. And, you know, I do think that obviously the Sens have a promising team coming up, but they're not, they're not winning it next year. No, you know, I mean, Hey, listen, stranger things have happened, but you know, most likely they need it. They're just, those kids need to cook a little bit longer. So, but that being said, Petrangelo has won his cup and he wants to get paid the money he thinks he deserves. So, you know, he's maybe, yeah, maybe he's, he's realistic. I don't know where he's from, but it could be close. He could be close to home without having too much. He's from uh, Toronto. Yeah, so, you know, you, you get to be close enough to home. You could, But at the same time, you don't have to have the, the that whole circus you know of being from toronto and then if you're if you guys under if they underperform so so yeah he could be realistic if you know if i'm if i'm the sends it's a perfect year to take on guys just who are good and who get those you know why not like why not take a flyer on kovalchuk you know it worked out for edmonton he was good. I'm, why I keep calling everyone Edmonton tonight. Uh, it worked out for Montreal. Uh, you know, he was he was struggling in L.A. He comes to Montreal. He has like a mini three months resurgence, and they flip him to Washington. He turns back into a pumpkin. You know, he's he's going to be a buy low guy. Like you know, who knows? Maybe you just you take him and then you flip him at the deadline. You get the assets for him, and who knows? Maybe along the the way he he performs well and. You know, because he, I think he's a Kovalchuk. Surprisingly, was a guy. I think in 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 that uh, Montreal and in Ottawa, I think could prefer, could provide similar situations. That you have a lot of promising young players, and I think I think that kind of was a big reason why he did so well. Is because I, you know, I think he was expected to be a like a low minute, uh, you know, in L.A. and Washington, like not get a lot of minutes, maybe just power power play time and third line minutes. Uh, Although at times I'd try him with Ovechkin, but yeah, I think he's a guy who likes to, to play and likes to touch the puck. He obviously doesn't have the wheels he once has and he's getting older with age, but yeah, I think he's a good, a good, you know, you pump and dump guy, you know, take, take flyers on these older guys who, who are, who are still coveted by teams and GMs that love intangibles and playoff grit and all that stuff. And yeah, I think if I'm, if I'm doing it, that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm trying to get as many of these, uh, you know, reclamation guys and then just flipping them out at the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we should get Kovalchuk. I mean, 
We should have just kept Bobby Ryan at that point. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, Kovalchuk's not going to cost Bobby Ryan money, though. True. I love listen, Bobby. I think Bobby Ryan's a good player. I just think he's not at that. That cap hits rough. You know what I mean? I mean, considering our cap hit, like our our, our cap situation, I don't think seven and a half is rough because of our cap situation. If he's on a team like the Rangers or Montreal or Edmonton, and he's in that cap situation, yeah, it's rough. But for Ottawa, you know, the huge thing was, oh, he was bought out. Now we're $22 million under the cap. Where are we going to spend that money? And and that's why it's like, I don't think the money is an issue at this point. I mean, I think it is because Melnick and that's a Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say there is an internal cap, unfortunately. Um, But I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Just breaking news out of. It sounds like Devin Dubnik to San Jose is picking up steam. Oh, Interesting. Uh, <laughs> sorry, felt like a felt like a no, good time to, to no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like I just mentioned, you know, there's so many goaltenders on the on the market right now, and I mean, yeah, I'm, well, because obviously Martin Jones didn't, isn't working out for San Jose, but Dubnik's he's old, right? How old is Dubnik? I don't know, like 33, I think, something like that. He's definitely, oh, I know he's in his 30s. He's 34 years old. Like, holy I hell. mean, why? Like, why? He's under like, contract. Sam, yeah, it's probably because it's good. Like, I don't know who the, who San Jose has besides Martin Jones. Maybe they have a really good. They other, have Aaron like, Dell, but Aaron Dell's yeah, a backup. And he's also like 33. Yeah. San Jose, Alexander Georgiev is waiting. Just give me, give me New York's own Kevin LeBanc for Alexander Georgiev and we can help each other. I'll scratch your back. You know? <laughs> but what's the, uh, what's the price uh, that cause Georgiev's an RFA, isn't he? Yeah. What, um, kind of, what do you think he's asking right now? Um, Especially since mean, Lundquist has been bought out. Don't you think that's kind of where the money's going to go? So you have just Turkin and Georgiev as your one. I think, I, how, I think he's got uh, another year on his contract. I don't think he's, he's due for a, uh, I think I don't think he's due yet. I haven't looked at cap friendly, but um, you know, I think eventually he will command. I, I could see him commanding around four million dollars because just because he has doesn't you know he hasn't been getting the starts needed to really. But who knows? I mean, he's a guy who I could definitely see at some point wanting to like strike it out on his own. But the the league is kind of moving to a platoon type system. I mean, you look the way the ABS were really put behind the eight ball losing two of their goaltenders, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, I'm actually pulling up, you know, let's see, do, 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 how much time does Alexander Georgiev have left? Probably so it's Georgiev. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, is he, he'll be an R, he's, yeah, he's going to be an RFA, oh, he's an RFA this year. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I do think it's probably going to cost the Rangers, uh, I think they, I don't know if he's a guy who would, I think a part of, a part of, I think if he's smart, he would want a show me, well, actually that's the, the only thing is weird is that I don't know. I'm still like, Shesterkin is still very new for us. I don't know if he's a guy that demands like, not demands, but like, you know, there are some goaltenders that just like are really like, I want starts. I want starts. I want starts. Lundqvist was like that, hence why his backups never had to play a lot. So they look, you know, some guys look good and then they get shipped elsewhere and then they turn back into a pumpkin. You know, Cam Talbot was, 
never really. Ronto is very good, but you know he's always hurt, so I don't know. But um, yeah, I assume a guy like Georgiev might want somewhere around between uh four to four point five million with a little with with a little bit of term. You know, he's uh, he's I think he's like twenty five years, twenty four years old. No, he's twenty four years old. So. Oh, he's younger than Shuster. Yeah, he's like twenty-four years old. So we're just yeah. He's a year younger. He's a year younger than Shusterkin, yeah. which is why when everyone like people are like, oh, just trade him. It's like you're talking about age, and you know, yeah. a, a year know. is a year. I mean, it's not that big, but like you know, people are saying get rid of Gorgiev and keep and keep Lundqvist, and it's like I, I don't see well, how like, you can justify that. No, and I, like I had mentioned with the way the league's moving, if you have two guys that are good. And have you know if you think they have value, then why not just hold on to them? So, uh, you know, obviously everything comes down to cost. And at the same time, if Georgiev, if, if the the player and the agents pushing to to move on to because they think they can make prime starter money with more starts elsewhere, then you do that. Because I mean, as long as Shosturkin's here, uh, you know, I don't know if it's so much. It's still not that it, it might not be like that pure starter backup relationship. But you know, there's a one A, and then there's a there's a one B, and you know, uh, Gurria would be the one B for the time being. But who knows? He's t- he is talented. He's definitely he can be hot and cold. But when he's on, he looks he looks really good. So and he's young, so that's a good sign. Yeah, and I mean, for it, it's interesting to look at this year and know that the expansion draft is just a year away, and how many of these moves are going to impact that process. Because I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Gorgiev and Shesterkin will both be will both need to be protected. One of them will need to be protected uh, for next the the expansion draft. And yeah, like, Shesterkin is doesn't have to be protected. Georgiev would have to be though. Oh okay. So that I mean that yeah, makes yeah. things easier. Um, yeah, exactly. They signed Jean-Francois Berube, I think, explicitly to expose uh, uh, next season. So I, I think, I, you know, because at the time I was like, what is this? Why are they signing JF Berube for no reason? And I was like, oh, there's an expansion draft next summer. And you have to expose as many goaltenders. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So who knows? You know, I, I, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that I do think, I don't think they're, I think that if the, I don't think they prefer to hold on to Georgiev either way, if that makes any sense. But at the same time, I don't think it's one of those things. I think they're like, we'll hold on to him, and but we'll also actively shop him. And if a team is like, all right, we'll give you like, I think if anything, they use him as a sweetener to like get something they really want. I don't think they're just like, uh, he's worth a second, so we'll get a second round pick in the upcoming draft. Like, I don't think that really moves the needle for them. I think they prefer, the Rangers would prefer um, players that are, in the NHL right now. So, you know, out, outside of flipping Georgiev, you know, cause goalies, goalie value is weird and that it's never, it's, you know, it's always lower than relative to what their performance is for a team or their value to the team that's getting them. So it's like, if it works out, of course, obviously, but um, yeah, sorry, what are you going to say, Shane? Uh, just like, but overall, I wonder what the, the overall app, like impact of this expansion draft is going to have, with the pandemic, right? Because now you're going to have teams yeah. looking at guys like, you know, we want them, but we also have, you know, seven other guys that we want to protect. Can we really afford to, to bring this person on? And well, I it's think funny. that's going to impact a lot of things. And yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, you look at Vegas and teams really, some teams really bunkled that. They ended up giving 
assets to Vegas to not take this guy. And the assets, they said, it's like, take William Carlson, but please don't touch, you know, Ryan Murray or whoever the, 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 the F, you know, Columbus was trying to protect at the time. And these guys all ended up panning out great. Like, William Carlson is not a first-line player, but he's a good second-line scoring winger, and he had a great season. And, like, you know, Nate Schmidt and all these guys, like, they basically gifted a pretty motivated and competent team. You know, Jonathan Marcheseau, like, from... I think, didn't Florida give up... Man, Mar- like... Marley Smith and, and Marcheseau. Marcheseau. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> to protect who? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know. Like... It's just so weird. It's just, it's, you know, so I do think, I wonder if teams are like, this really blew up on our face last time. We can't be precious. Like, we'll just, we just have to say, you know what, you know, this, it is what it is. We we're going to lose someone, but you know, some teams end up losing two things to try to protect one guy who ends up being a competent bum. Like, you know, like I, like I had mentioned, like a Carlson to protect an Alexander Winberg or something like that, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I think I think it's not necessarily a, a necessary moment of like, oh, we, we gave up someone that just to protect another player. I think it's also, you look at Carlson, he was he was muddling, like mudding the bottom yeah. six in Columbus uh, yeah. with torts. And I think it was more of a, you know, he's not going to pan out into Columbus and we're just... You you guys might like him. He's he's not working for us. So here yeah. we'll give you him. Just don't take this person. And I think the same thing was with Marsha. So and Smith, or with Smith, it was like these guys clearly aren't working here. Uh, we don't want you guys to take them. So we'll trade you these guys so you don't have to take them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's very funny because there's so many Rangers fans are are saying like, well, they should just expose Leah Anderson. And cause you know, he's, uh, even though he's, he's kind of on the outs with the organization right now, but he's back in Sweden and he's like clearly the best player in on his team in the SHL right now playing top line, you know, minutes for HV 71. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it's like, it's just kind of like getting a guy pretending that they drafted Leah Anderson in 2017 and he'll be ready. So, and he'll he might end up being a good player. He might end up being. A, I don't think he's anything more than a. If he hits, if everything goes right for him, he's just still only a. You know, he ends up a second line, good second line defense, two way center. But I, I still, th- I still think that might be a little lofty. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I do, to to your point about sometimes it's just it's like you know it's a this is a guy that wasn't isn't just not working out for us or we we don't have the atmosphere to. Uh, to properly bring this guy along because of like whatever our roster construction, there's too many vets in front of him. Whatever the case is, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And with the the effect of the pandemic, like I like you, we had both mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see if for the expansion draft, if uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just because I feel like I feel like with the pandemic, I think teams are going to be a lot more precious with their their draft capital and their assets so i don't know if that means that they're just going to say like they're going to bite the bullet and say just you can just take this guy or who knows maybe it goes the opposite way maybe they're just like 
we it's more of a holding pattern type situation and they're they're saying you know no we're gonna we need to protect this guy so if we have to give up this pick we'll do it i actually don't i don't know the answer to that but uh it will be fascinating and i do wonder because it is going to be contested under the same rules as the the vegas expansion draft i assume so it is yeah yeah so uh, yeah it'll be kind of fascinating to see what teams do this time around if they change their strategy overall and if if out of the hop uh yeah, I think you might see more veterans exposed or to try to shed salary. And, you know, and that's the thing. It's a new market. They're going to need some, you know, they were lucky that Flurry was their one guy that, like, you need you need the mark, the one marquee guy. You know what I mean? So for, Flurry was it for them. And then, obviously, they eventually got Mark Stone and Pacioretty and the other guys. But that first season where it was kind of like they were like the, the Island of Misfit Toys, that but they were riding on a, an excellent coach in Gallant and, it's like you don't you don't think we're any good. Well, we'll ram it down your throats, and then obviously Flurry was the star power. Yeah, it's interesting to see if it maybe this time they do have more like Derek Stepan like s- smells like a, a a Kraken player to me. You know what I mean? Or or Alexander Steen, or you know these these older guys who unfortunately their teams are probably like ah oh, they're probably not worth what their cap hit, but at the same time uh, that. That crack, you know, that cracking team has to hit the floor, and will most likely uh, need some guys to insulate whatever guys they bring in, or at least guys that can. Maybe they're not elite talent, but they're going to need some talent. You know what I mean? So I don't think they're 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 looking at this as they're probably trying to do it exactly how Vegas did it, and just be like, come and try to hit if they can, because it's hard. It's hard. Like you know, you look at some of the expansion teams before them, and how long it took this the Predators and the the Blue Jackets to establish themselves. You know, even Minnesota, Ottawa, Tampa. Yeah, the the Jackets. You know, Rick Nash and, and a bunch of nobodies for years. You know, so it's. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I definitely think they they would rather you know, and they they seem to have a very forward thinking um, organization. They have. Uh, they'll probably have an expansive analytics department. They probably are looking at like this guy. These are the guys we could request for teams. Even if teams are like, no, don't please don't take this guy. We'll give you this guy. Well, can we have this guy instead of this guy that you're offering up? And they're like, well, yeah, that guy's just a third liner. So I guess so. You can have him. You know what I mean? But they've done their homework and they feel like if they had more minutes, they'd be more successful or they're like, they don't score a ton. But when they're on the ice, like, or, you know, they, 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 their team, your team just doesn't get scored on the things that kind of go maybe under under the radar or under noticed. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think uh, that might be what happens. Maybe the a more forward thinking Kraken front office uh, has their targeted players in mind of who they might be available and who they would want and who they think that teams might think are either dried up but they still are playing good hockey and or at the same time just young guys who think teams think aren't very good but even though they're not scoring, it's like they're shooting percentages in the toilet or something. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I can't wait for Tuesday. I think Tuesday is going to be a great night. We're going to see a lot of future uh, players as well as some jerseys. Uh, Obviously those Vegas jerseys are horrible. Um, The fifth we're seeing Calgary has, has the announcement to make on the fifth. Uh, Pete Blackburn the other day announced that there's talk that they're going back to those retro 80 look jerseys that they've been wearing the last couple of years uh, as their alternates. I love them. I've been saying it. Chef's, I wish, chef's guess. They're they're beautiful. I wish they. I wish them and, and uh, Winnipeg wore their their throwbacks. Yeah, that they both have during the playoffs. They didn't. But 
I'm excited for these retro look. I hope San Jose brings back their retro look. But who to, to end this off before we go, who do you yeah. think is the top five? How, how do you think the top five is going to go? What's your prediction? All right. La- Lafreniere is number one to the Rangers. I have heard that LA might prefer Stutzla to Byfield. You know, um, they have centers already. They have Turcotte. Not that I think he'll be as good, but I think I think because they're trying. You know, I think also there's that they're have kind of having a hangover from being the big slow hulking LA Kings for so long. I do think a part of them looks at. Stutzla's success against men in the DEL and his skating ability and his just how he's electrifying. I think he might go. I have. I think Stutzla could go second overall, just because I've you know there's been so much. I feel like there's been a lot of wincing about Byfield. Uh, I mean, if that's true, then I think Byfield goes to the Sens third overall. Uh, I think. I uh, here's what Steve Eiserman is a crafty guy. And there's been so much smoke about Perfetti to to Detroit that I almost think it's a smoke screen. You know what I mean? He plays in Saginaw, right in Michigan, right in their backyard. But it's almost like that's such a Steve Eiserman thing, right? To be like, we're going to take this guy, like, and then we didn't. And even though you're like, well, it didn't really matter because it's like no, no one else. It's like not like he was gonna another team was gonna take him. You're at four, you know what I mean? But I don't know. It's just he likes to be cunning for the sake of being cunning. Uh. I th- I could see them taking Raymond at four, Detroit. I think I or Raymond or Dry or, or Drysdale. I do know there are teams that do have there are two there no actually there's a few teams I think that have Sanderson in their top five. So you know and a, f- a few teams that have Drysdale as well. So uh, if yeah uh, if I had to you know what all right uh, yeah I'll, I'll say Raymond to Detroit at four and then. Five. Hmm. Uh, damn it. Uh, uh, gun to my head, I guess. Ottawa with their second pick. Maybe they. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I could see. I don't know. Man, this where it's a fifth pick for Ottawa is what really gets me because a part of me is like they already have some good defensemen, but at the same time, it's like you know Sanderson or Drysdale is a good get there. I think, but. I, I still think Rossi ends up falling to like to like Buffalo or something at nine because of the size because teams are stupid and they do this to themselves all the time, you know. So I'll say, uh, you know, actually, you know what? Why I I'm, I'm thinking this on the fly, but I actually just uh, did a mock draft for the morning skate, so I might as well that just dropped this morning. So check it out. Go to the morning skate, uh, go to morning dash skate.com. And on the front page, you'll see my mock draft, uh, at five. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say Ottawa goes Drysdale at five. Just, just cause Ooh. Ooh, I'm not God. saying, it, I'm not saying I, that's who I would take. And that's not saying that's just me trying to think about how teams sometimes operate. And for some reason, the thought of a, of a defenseman not going in the, the first five picks is kind of strange to me. So I feel like, I feel like one defenseman will go. It might, it might even be Sanderson, but uh, I just feel like at five, we'll see the first defenseman off the board. If that makes any sense. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think for for me personally, it's it's laugh at one. I think if if the Rangers don't pick him, I, I'm going to scratch my head the entire night. Yeah, no, me too. I I would I'd be very. I mean, if they pick Byfield, I I'd be like I'd be upset at first, but then I'd be like, all right, well, now we have to wait because you have to wait to see if he pan you know if he pans out then, but. But anyway, obviously anyone else, I'd be furious. But I, I th- I'm pretty sure it's Lafreniere. But I'm knocking on my 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 fake desk table right now. Um, and then I got, I'm gonna say Byfield that too. I feel like they, because they like the size, he they, he's a good skater. It's who it's who I think. So so yeah. I got Byfield at two. I got Stutzel at Stutzley at three. He's most likely gonna slot in at that that right wing slot. Honestly, I think they. It's not like they're set. Or, yeah. um, uh, I not like I think they they believe that Norris or Pinto was going to be a true number one center, but I think they believe that like that's their ceiling, yeah. and they just right wing. We don't really have anything like we have a Bromoff and Batherson, but we and like we have Connor Brown, but like we don't really have anything on that right side. So I think Stutzle comes in, and then I think at four. We got Perfetti. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into the smokescreen. Yeah. Of Perfetti going for. I think he fits both the needs of of what Detroit's looking for. And then at five, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball on this. I think Winnipeg trades up to five mm. for for either Sanderson or Drysdale. Like I agree with the five picks. Like the the yeah. The fifth defense, like the defenseman taking off a five. I think what? we're going to see Winnipeg trade up to so get Sanderson. Or what, what what do they offer to make to bridge that gap? I think you're gonna you're gonna look at either uh, Ehlers or Line A being moved to Ottawa. One of the two, and and obviously the tenth overall pick, because I think I think Ottawa likes guys like Rossi and Quinn. Yeah, and there's some guys that are sitting in that like eight to to fifteen slot that or even like 10 to 15 slot that you might want to it's going to be a reach at five but you feel comfortable with taking at at 10 and if the trade is off obviously good enough you know winnipeg has has made it known that they are willing to move one of those two maybe they feel like getting sanderson or drysdale or drysdale at five, they may feel like when it, Minnesota wants to take one of those guys at, at nine, they want to get ahead of them. I just, I think it's going to be one of those trades. I think it's going to feature Line A or Ellers going up coming to Ottawa. I mean, you know, that'd be that'd be excellent trade for Ottawa. I do think, I, you know, I think we Ehlers may maybe you know Line A. I know he. With, he's been a little. It's been a little disappointing for him the last season and a half or two seasons. But I don't know. I feel like he still has a lot of value. So I don't. I think. I mean, it's possible, but I think they'd have to. Obviously, Ottawa might have to throw something in on their end. Besides, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the, the construct of the trade will revolve. Yeah, around no, like of course. Five yeah, and nine I've, or Ellers on the I, overall. You know, I mean, if you're gonna jump, if if you if you're gonna because usually it's like. You know, usually it's like jumping those the trading trading down and trading up, and those things don't happen until later. But I mean, with this draft, I think like we right after five, you know, you can you can pretty much argue that you know the 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 Lafreniere might be an island unto himself, and then the the, the next two 
are, uh, you know, but Stutzla and Byfield, you can argue they're kind of not interchangeable, but they're in the same. And then that next to get into that next tier is like maybe your last chance to get uh, at least a guy who you're pretty positive will be a good, you know, because for, you know, for as, as, you know, for as maybe Perfetti skating scares people, but he's clearly has the some of the best vision and playmaking skills in the entire draft. And we, and, okay. And, and look at Stone, right? We talk about, we talk about people talk about Mark Stone, nine and a half million dollar forward. He doesn't have the greatest skating. No, but his, his, his brain is, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Perfetti's going to fall into that line. Yeah, no, he's uh, Perfetti's tremendous. I mean, he is, you know, because it's funny because you have a guy like Maverick Bork who is a similar-ish to Perfetti in that they both have excellent vision and hockey IQ. But I think the the difference between the two is that Perfetti you, is able to use. He's got pretty good edge work. He's he doesn't have the most pace, but like he gets to the areas that he needs to be on the ice. He gets to the middle of the ice. He works his, he kind of almost worms his way in on his edges. And he's, he, he kind of reminds me of Adam Fox. If Adam Fox was a, was a, a, a center instead of a defenseman, if that makes any sense in that just using body language and deception in his hands, he freezes people. And then he's able to walk to the areas he needs to get to because he's so good. It's just, it comes second nature to him to like, say like to fake that he's going this way or like kind of lean one way and quickly just cut another way. And it's like, he doesn't have to be super elusive because he is so much better than, than everyone else at hiding his intentions. So my, my thing with Perfetti that I really like is that he, from what I've seen of him. And one thing that I think I, I haven't seen a lot of from guys like Byfield is, and even sometimes Rossi where I, I've seen it a little bit is that I don't, I've never actually seen Perfetti stop moving. Uh, yeah, that's he, very true. He, like he he doesn't necessarily skate, but he's a lot like Kucherov, where he'll glide around the ice. He'll he'll continue to move and kind of get lost in that. And I think that's what makes Perfetti worth for a pick for Detroit and or even Ottawa if he, if he yeah. is at five, is because he doesn't stop moving, even though he's not skating, he's still gliding around the ice and like. That's all you need. You just need to be forgotten about, and he'll pop into a spot. You pair him with a guy like Norris, who's really good at finding the open guy, or even Logan Brown, and I think that's something that you're going to have a lot of success with. Exactly, and you know, I think I think that is probably when you have all these people that are like, you know, some people have Byfield like fourth on their list, which I think is crazy. But you know, if you could say what the knock on him is that, like, when you are a high-profile offensive player, like, you need to learn how to get lost in the weeds a little bit because he comes down the ice. He's a commanding presence. You know, if you're staying in traffic, like, you're gonna you come you're gonna have attention, and then you look at. You know, different guys do it different ways. Like you said, Perfetti, he, uh, he's constantly glide, like you said, gliding around the ice. He makes micro adjustments. He he kind of quickly will go to the boards, or like you know, you look at Patrick Kane leaves the zone all the time and just comes back in all of a sudden to get lost. He's like, screw this, I'm leaving, and then he's like, surprise, I'm back on the other side of the ice. Everyone's all like, what what just happened? You know what I mean? And that's it's that type of thing. You know, Rossi uh, is a guy who. He his game is so much based on leverage, so he almost prefers to get guys on his back because then he knows that they are now their feet are planted and they are, are reacting to him. They're not looking at the field, and then he just uses that that drive to roll off of that. But now he's got the puck on his stick, and he can do you know what he has to do. So it's 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 kind of fascinating how different players approach the same problem and they just kind of use their strengths to solve it. So. Yeah. The thing about Rossi I find that you mentioned is that like he's short, yes, he's five nine. 
but he uses his low center of gravity so well to his advantage yeah that if and he and it, it helps and i think that's one thing that needs to be taken like he knows what he can and can't do and i don't think i've seen someone with a stronger lower body than rossi at, the, no, at this age group I'm, i don't think I, outside of mcdavid and like yeah mcdavid's the last person that comes to mind where it comes to just pure low body strength yeah and i mean you know Ro- rossi is a guy who it's very it's very weird to to see that leverage style game get played in junior because it's usually something you don't see as much, and it, it is Crosby esque. You know, it, it does remind me a lot of Sid. I'm obviously not saying Rossi will become that because I don't. I just it's not going to happen. But uh, you know, he's by all accounts he's extremely motivated. He works out like a fiend. He's every day he's on the ice. He's the last kid off. He works hard. He's got a pro mentality already. You know, he's a physical specimen because he's been working out, you know, even though he is undersized. Like you said, he's got a strong lower body drive. And yeah, and that's what it, it, and uh, you know, as someone who's watched, who watched Matt Zuccarello for a lot of years on the Rangers, it was kind of a similar thing is that he, his, he was so good on his edges and his lower body was so strong that like he, you couldn't pin him down. He could easily get low on guys and like hold them on the boards and he could win puck bat. He won almost every puck battle because he was closer to the puck and he had a wide, he'd keep a wide base as a, as a small guy. And he could also quickly, he could quickly roll out off of pressure. If you, if you leaned on him, he was small enough in that it's like he, he couldn't, you know, guys could not separate his upper body from his lower body. If that makes any sense. If you get a guy in the middle of the back, all of a sudden you're kind of like, you know, you're out of sorts, but if you're a small guy and you, and you, someone's leaning on your upper back now, you can kind of roll out from it. And Rossi does that all the time. And then he's got the puck on his stick and he's got such good vision that he just feather passes to teammates or just put it, you know, he can pick a corner close to the net. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, it's, it's very interesting with, cause usually I feel like, you know, whether it's Taylor versus Tyler or, you know, maybe even, uh, Eichel and Matthew, it's like, you know, what I like about this year's crop is that these guys are all really different. I mean, Lafreniere isn't your traditional burner, but he is just, you know, he's kind of a throwback in that he's kind of, you know, he's physical and he's got amazing hands, but he's also like loves contact and he kind of plays through it and he loves to like attack, you know, gaps in the ice. He's not a burner. And then you have, you know, Stutz, uh, excuse me, Byfield, who is just a, you know, a mountain of a center with uh, excellent hockey sense and a good shot and just, you know, skates like a guy much smaller than him and plays that just that everything you'd kind of you'd want from a raw, like potential number, you know, number one center. And then you obviously have your electrifying puck handler skater in Stutzla who kind of reminds me of Marner. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, this draft is there's a lot of premier talent in this draft and there's a lot of guys with a lot of offensive upside. So It'll be fascinating because there's some of these guys I love, but I'm also preparing myself that they'll probably end up busting. But then, you know, you know, whatever the the guy who I kind of wrote off might end up being, uh, you know, a, a premier player in the NHL. It's just funny how it works. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I think it, it's, I think one through ten is going to be very interesting. I, th- I don't think there's going to be many surprises. I think it's just going to be very basic, but yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I'm more interested in, in who falls out of the first, you know, cause it's like, I think that tail end, you'll see it like, you know, your, 
you'll see the guys sneak in the late love guys. Like you'll probably see like a, a Ryan O'Rourke or a Ty Smolanich or a, a Helga Granz and these guys move in and who knows, maybe a, I'm trying to think of guys who were, you know, maybe a Noel Goonler or a Tyson Forrester, some guys that have questions or uh, Perot. I don't, I don't think Perot, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what guys that end up slipping kind of, you know, everyone remembers Arthur Lee of first round and now he's, you know, he's looked excellent and, you know, so LA looks very smart for being able to take him and say like, well, yeah, we'll take him if he's going to fall out. So, uh, yeah, it will be fascinating, and especially like you, as we you later on in that first round, you know, because like you said, the top ten I think is pretty. The usual suspects are there. Maybe we might have a surprise or two. Obviously, Askarov might figure into that, and, and whether or not Sanderson is truly there. There are teams that love Jack Quinn in the top ten. I've heard. I don't love him there, but if you want to take, if if the Devils want to take Jack, listen, I like Jack Quinn. I think he's a good player, and I think he'll be a pretty good player in the NHL. But I just don't think. Uh, you know, I'm not sold on him at that though in the top ten slot. But you know, if if a team wants to take him, God, you know, God bless him. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I like Quinn. I don't think he's a top ten or not. No. A, not a, definitely not a top five. I'd be okay taking him at ten. Probably if, I, if I'm a sense, I like him at ten. I think he fits a need. But yeah. we'll we'll have a lot to discuss on draft day. That's for sure. We will. Um, thank you, Andy, for, for coming on and, and talking with, uh, with oh, me. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to get this draft stuff, get going on, on the Tuesday. Uh, just, uh, before we head, where, where can our, our listeners, uh, find you? So you can follow the Broadway boys podcast at Broadway boys pod on Twitter. Uh, you know, yeah. So follow our podcast there. Uh, you can read some of my prospect stuff on themorningskate.com. That's morning-skate.com. Like I had mentioned, my 2020 mock draft dropped today, and I also have my uh, a few months. If you click my name, there will also be some of the other things I've wrote. And I've have a, uh, I have my personal ranking of the top 31, and then I also have my mock, and they're, they're kind of different on there. So, yeah, you can check that out there. And, yeah, so... If you're interested, if you want to prior the draft, if you want to read up on some uh, potential, if you want to see, you know, my rankings or what, who I think might go where, you know, check it out on Morning Skate. And yeah, if you're if you're a Sens fan and you want to listen to some Rangers related content, especially as it relates to Lafreniere, uh, yeah, go to uh, Twitter and you can follow us at Broadway Boys Pod. And thank you, Andy. Again, guys, you can follow the the Sens Hour podcast, Sens underscore Hour. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow myself at Shane underscore Ryan 97. Remember to follow the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Pod Net. Season 2 is on the way, and it's going to be exciting. So much new stuff. New, uh, Honestly, it's going to be a whole new year, and I can't wait to get started. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's it's weird because it's like this is a time hockey is should be starting, but it's finishing, but it's also like some of the younger leagues, junior leagues are starting, so... <coughs> excuse me uh so yeah it's a it's a really strange but interesting time and like you said there's with the between the draft and free agency just because uh the the stanley cup has been awarded there's still so much going on in the hockey world so yeah it's gonna be exciting and i can't wait can't wait and guys you can find us uh tuesday night when the draft is going on we will be on uh stream we'll be streaming live all our reactions about the drafts picks and any of the trade chatter um and I'm, I'm excited to get this thing going again. Thank you, Andy. We will see you guys back here with a brand new episode next Monday.